You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Good morning, everyone. Wow. I have to say, I'm really surprised at the energy level for this, since we all got up at like five in the morning. I mean, it's crazy. Now, I saw somebody post something really interesting, and it's a great idea. Hi. Good to see you. <laughs> you're from Alberta. You're welcome back. Um, here's a great, it was a great idea, you know, because we have this one hour that we miss, but we kind of like the, the daylight. So why not change the hour at four in the afternoon today? Like, nobody would notice that. Like, I guess if you're on a flight and it's at 4.30, it'd mess you up. But if, generally, that would be a good idea, wouldn't it? Because you get your good night's sleep, and then in the afternoon, you miss an hour. Big deal. Okay, just, is that not a good idea? No. (laughs) It seemed like a good idea, but maybe not. (laughs) Well, no, it's actually a serious idea. It's a serious idea. All right, well, let's, let's shift gears. We're carrying on in our series called God of All Things. And in this series, we've been looking at uh, who God is and what he's like by looking at the things he makes. And we've looked at a number of things so far. We've looked at pigs. We've looked at dust. Yes. Last week, we looked at salt. Yes. And today, we are going to look at my favorite thing in the whole world. Honey. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Now, I have to say, from the time I was a kid, right up to now, I really enjoy honey. Yes, there's jam. Yes, there's marmalade. There's peanut butter, which we can't have in our household because my wife is allergic to it. And there's even a thing called Marmite. How many of you like Marmite? No way. Okay, so I've heard it described as a taste that is the closest thing to the taste of evil. Um, But in reality, in reality, nothing comes close to honey, I think. Uh, In our house, we're always stocked with honey, and not the mass-produced kind of honey that you get at the store, but the real stuff. We get our honey at this uh, a couple farms in Pitt Meadows, and oh man, it's good. And honey is one of those things that's it's not only not only does it taste wonderful, but it's good for us. Apparently, it has some antioxidant, uh, anti-inflammatory properties. And the other thing about honey, which is interesting, on the screen we're looking at today, it's a thing that shows up in Scripture again and again. And we're going to look at one of the places where it shows up. We'll look at a number of places. But for now, I'd like us to look at Proverbs 24. And if you have a Bible, turn to Proverbs 24. If you open your Bible, pretty much we'll be right after, we'll be right after Psalms and Proverbs 24. And we're going to begin in verse 13. In honor of God's word, let's stand together as we read this. Proverbs 24 beginning in verse 13. My son, eat honey, 
for it is good. And the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future. And your hope will not be cut off. Lord, we come before you recognizing that we are completely dependent upon you. You are our strength. You brighten dark eyes. You lift up heavy spirits. You're the God of peace. And again, we, we, we call upon you for peace in this world. We think of uh, the conflicts in, in, in Europe right now. We do pray for peace. And we're thankful that you are the God of peace and you reveal yourself. You're not a God who plays hide and seek, but you're a God who reveals himself to his people. And so we pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So this past week, I actually had a lot of fun learning about um, honey. Um, honey shows up again and again in history. I found it fascinating to think that if you had a time machine and you arranged a cross-time potluck and you're able to invite people from different periods of history to bring food to this potluck, and you invited people like Shakespeare, Muhammad, Cleopatra, the Chinese Emperor Qin Shi Huang, Queen Esther, and two Abrahams, Abraham Lincoln and Abraham from the Bible. And you had this potluck, there would be some pretty strange food that people would gather. But one thing would be held in common. And that would be honey. What's more, apparently honey doesn't go bad. I read uh, that there was some honey that was found in the, in the tomb of uh, King Tut. And if you open it, it's still okay. And one of the remarkable things about honey is that it's unprocessed. And in a world where everything we eat is processed, this is quite unique. Honey doesn't require additives. It doesn't require flavorings or preservatives. Honey doesn't need extra flavors added to it. It does fine just by itself. The other thing I learned, and some of you know all about this, but um, how honey is made. <laughs> Apparently they're bees. No, um, <laughs> We need to thank bees for their hard work. Now, what do bees do? Well, I mean, it's quite fascinating. They fly over lots and lots of flowers, and they find nectar and honeydew, and they have this kind of special tongue, and they drink up lots of nectar, and apparently they digest it on the way back to the hive. When they get home, they perform this kind of dance, which communicates to the other bees where they found this nectar. Did you know this? But in this communication, the strange dance that they do, they communicate the following information. One, where they found the nectar. Two, where they can find the nectar in relationship to where the sun is. It tells the distance that's required to get to this nectar. 
And by how vociferously they dance, they can tell other bees how good the getting is, how much nectar there is. And they can even communicate to one another the wind velocity and factor that in. Now, this information gets passed on around the hive from bee to bee, and then other bees pass around the nectar from bee to bee by, it's kind of gross, by throwing it up into each other's mouths, until enough is digested to be stored. And this takes about, apparently, 20 minutes. And they store, they store it in the cells of the honeycomb. And what they do is they, they, they want to raise the sugar content, and they do this through the warmth of their body and by continually flapping their wings to keep the air circulating. And when the sugar level is high enough to prevent it from fermenting, they seal the honeycomb with beeswax and move to the next one. Now, apparently one pound of honey is made from about 10,000 bees, which travel 75,000 miles altogether and visit about 8 million flowers. One guy put it this way. As far as he knows, there's no academic paper that has been written to link the existence of bees and honey with the existence of God. But there ought to be. <laughs> there ought to be. And I agree. Uh, the whole result of all this is this thing called honey, which is wonderful. It has medicinal qualities. Um, I buy this kind of, it's called fireweed honey. Has anybody heard of that? And it's from flowers that grow after forest fires. And honey is so wonderful, it makes its way into our language. Words can be honeyed. Um, we even refer to our spouses sometimes. You know, hey honey, pass the honey, right? Uh, it even makes its way into marriage ceremonies. And some of you from Persian backgrounds, I learned this this week, um, is that uh, at, after you've say your vows, you, they bring out honey, and you take a little bit of honey, and you feed it to your spouses, and she feeds it to you. And what it indicates is just how sweet and how rich your marriage will be. Now, behind all of this is God. God is the author of all things, including this thing, honey. He conceived of honey. He spoke it into being. And it's special enough to show up in Scripture again and again, over 60 times. In fact, this week I walked through every, every um, appearance of the word honey in, in Scripture. And along the way, you, you learn three things. That God uses honey, and he talks about honey, and he uses it in three particular ways. The first way is this, is honey represents God's land and God's rescue. Way back in Exodus chapter 3, we come across Moses who encounters God in a burning bush. When Moses asks who God is, God responds. How? He says, I am the, Lord, I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. I am who I am. I am the Lord. Then God goes from who he is to what he will do for his people. He says, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 8 and again in verse 17. So it's a vivid description that we're given of what the people of God were being delivered from 
and what they're being delivered to. What are they being delivered from? They're being delivered from slavery and bondage. And they're being delivered to a land of sweetness and beauty. And how is it described? It's like the sweetness of honey. In Egypt, we read that uh, Israel dined on bitter herbs. But now they will dine on milk and honey. And the picture of of the promised land of milk and honey is so prominent that it shows up again and again in, in the Old Testament. Um, milk and honey is used to describe the land that Israel is going to be delivered to. It's also the, uh, the terms that's described when Israel's in exile, what they will be returned to is the land of milk and honey. We come across this in Exodus 13, Exodus 33, Leviticus 20, Numbers 13, 14, Deuteronomy 6, 11, 26, 15, 27, 31, Joshua 5, Jeremiah 11, Ezekiel 20, All these passages demonstrate because of God's great love. He will rescue his people out of a state of deprivation, out of a state of bitterness, into a place that is rich and full. And so honey is one of the ways that the Bible describes Yahweh's commitment to deliver Israel out of uh, slavery into freedom. Honey symbolizes rescue. Now, I just got to pause here for a moment. Now, some of you may need to hear this this morning. Some of you are going through a situation right now in your life that if you were to describe it, you'd describe it as bitter. It is bitter. It's difficult. It's harsh. And maybe some of you have had a steady diet of bitter herbs in your life, whether it be in your marriage, in your friendships, with your family, at school. And things have been very, very bitter. Now here's the good news. We worship a God who delights in turning vinegar into honey. In fact, the good news of Scripture is that we've been brought out of the bitterness of slavery, slavery to sin, doing things that we shouldn't be doing or not doing the things that we ought to do, into the sweet abundance of freedom. It is for freedom that Christ came to set us free through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we hold on to this truth because even though things are bitter now, Jesus, through his presence and his power, can bring healing. He can bring restoration, sweetness where there's only bitterness. And so I would invite you into a liturgy this week. And this liturgy is if you have honey at home, and if you don't, get some. And, and, and Marmite does not cut it, I'm sorry. <laughs> get some honey. And every time you have honey, every time you put it into your tea or whatever you do, remember this. That the bitterness that you may be experiencing will not have the final word. That in the end, in Jesus, all shall be well. And all the richness and sweetness that goes with the life in Jesus. So that's the first thing that uh, 
honey represents. It represents God's land and God's rescue. Secondly, it represents God's wisdom and his word. A few passages come to mind. Psalm 19, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them is great reward. In Psalm 119, verse 103, the psalmist sings to God, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. We look ahead in Scripture and we read about two prophets. We read um, the prophet Ezekiel, who eats the scroll of God's word and it tastes sweet as what? As honey. And same with John, um, the Apostle John in Revelation 10. And so what is all this saying? Well, it's telling us that reading God's word is like taking a soup spoon and scooping out a big scoop full of honey and eating it, which I often do. Um, <laughs> listen again to our passage in Proverbs. Eat honey, my son, because it is good. And honey from the comb is sweet to it on your palate. So know that wisdom is like honey for your life. If you find wisdom, then... There is a blessed future, and your hope will not be cut off. And God's wisdom, through his word, is sweet like honey. In the same way that honey tastes good, it's medicinal, and it brings life, so too does God's wisdom. When we immerse ourselves in God's word, when we learn to walk in his ways, our life is rich, and we're transformed. Do you remember, in the Old Testament, there's a story of... Um, Jonathan, who's uh, Saul's son. And Jonathan and his men, they're in the middle of something, and they, they, they haven't eaten for a while. And Jonathan is quite, quite hungry. And the story goes is that he, he, he's exhausted, but he sees some honey. And he, he, takes, he takes his weapon, in fact, and he dips it into the honey, and he eats the honey. And it describes Jonathan, a transformation that takes place. What does it say? Does anybody know? His eyes are brightened. It's such an interesting phrase. His eyes are brightened. And honey is described alongside God's wisdom and his word. And so let me ask you this question. When you read God's word, when you immerse yourself in God's wisdom, are your eyes brightened? Do you find that God's word is rich, it's sweet, it's satisfying, and that it brings joy? Does God's word and his walking in God's wisdom brighten your eyes? Now you know this, but it bears repeating. When you spend hours upon hours on your devices, scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, when you spend an evening when nobody's around and you go to websites that you know you shouldn't go to, what 
what I'd like you to do is, is this. When, when you're on your device for a long time, going to places that is either a waste of time or you know you shouldn't be going to, here's my challenge to you. Immediately afterwards, go into the bathroom and look in the mirror. And look at your eyes. I guarantee you one thing, your eyes will not be bright. These things will darken the soul. See, as T.S. Eliot put in the early 20th century, he says, a life of information but no wisdom brings us no nearer to God but nearer to the dust. And we live in a world that is overly processed, it's shallow, and like fast food, it may taste okay, but it won't satisfy you. The word of God, the wisdom of God, brightens the eyes. It's like honey to the soul. During, um, during Advent, I was, I was out one day, and I was listening to God's Word. And I was listening to Matthew chapter 2 about the Magi, you know, bring the gifts to Jesus, the myrrh, frankincense, gold. And um, I was lis- listening to it, and at the end of the, uh, the passage, it talks about the Magi going home a different way. And, that, and those words just really impressed into my heart. And it asked me the question. I, I sense the Holy Spirit asking me the question. So, this past year, what way have you been walking? And going into this new year, do you need to go home? Do you need to live your life a different way? And that really hit the heart. And that's what God's Word does. When you allow God's Word to to sink inside of you, it brightens the eyes, but it also speaks to the soul and it guides you. Because it's God's wisdom. He knows everything about you. And so the question is, again, next time you have honey, ask yourself, is, is God's Word and His wisdom, does it brighten your eyes? And where are you spending your time? The last thing is this. Honey also represents God's gifts and God's grace. That's the third thing. And it's interesting, the first time we encounter honey in the Bible, it's given as a gift. It's given as a gift for the purposes of smoothing over conflict between people. And you see this actually again and again with Jacob to Joseph, from the people of Mahanaim to David from Jeroboam to Ahijah, and from Israel to God. But with God, there's an important difference when it comes to honey. God doesn't need anything from anyone. But rather, He is a giver of honey. He is a giver of gracious gifts. And these are symbols of God's amazing grace towards us. Do you remember in the Old Testament where Israel is wandering in the desert. They're wandering in the dusty, dry wilderness, a barren land without food or water. What does God do? Yeah, He provides for them. What does He provide? He provides manna. That's right, He provides manna. And He also provides water. 
Um, did Israel deserve this? No, in fact, they probably did a number of things not to deserve it. But God in his grace provides for their needs because God is in the business of giving us all more than we could ask or imagine. And we can't miss this. So he gives, he gives Israel manna. This is food to sustain them. How is the food described? Sweet like, like honey. Tastes like honey. Exodus 16, verse 31. Interestingly, the water that he provides is water like honey. Honey from the rock, Psalm 18, uh, 81, verse 16. Now, what does all this mean? Well, honey is an expression of God's love for his people and his deep willingness to give us his gracious gifts. And the good news of the Bible is that God is still in the business of giving gracious gifts to undeserving people like you and me. And the sweetest gift of all that he gives us is Jesus Christ. The bread of life who is sent to rescue us, redeem us, forgive us, and empower us to become the people that we were meant to be. And our response, our only response, is to receive the grace that God has for us by faith. Now, this morning, some of you may need to hear this again. Because some of you have been wandering in the wilderness for a long time. Some of you today, you're hanging by a thread because of stuff's going on in your life. Now, whatever situation you find yourself in, think again of God's honey, that God is a God who provides for his people. He provides whatever you need to get through today. So where do you need God's sustaining grace and his gifts today? Ask him for it. See, the Christian life, and this is important, the Christian life is not meant to be a boring, bland, insipid life. <laughs> the Christian, and, and it's too bad that sometimes Christians communicate that by the way we live. Um, that's not the life that we're supposed to have. We're not invited to just learn about who God is. The church is not just about teaching us about, about God, but we are invited to what? To taste and see that the Lord is good. And that his wisdom, they brighten the eyes when we're feeling overwhelmed. When it feels like life has been sucked out of us. And could it be that God is inviting you today into his abundant goodness and his grace, his sweetness to bring healing and hope when we're losing strength. You see, God is still in the business of rescuing people. And he gives us gifts of grace to sustain us when we feel like we're giving up. And he, is, he is honey. <laughs> He's offering us honey to refresh our weary soul and brighten our tired eyes. Now, you need to know, I'm, when it comes to discernment i'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer like it's it just as i often will miss things right some people i know who are very discerning they're like i can see this i'm like really you can see this i can't see this um 
But one thing I can see, now this is going to sound weird, and now don't, it's going to sound a little, bit, a little strange. But sometimes I'll see online with somebody saying, look who I'm dating. And they'll show a picture of their, the person they're dating. And I can look in the person's eyes that they're dating. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't think so. And I can just see it. And what do I see? I see their eyes. And I see a lot of people saying, oh, he's just wonderful. I'm like, no, I don't think he is. Now, I don't say that to them because that's kind of rude. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> if they ask, maybe I'd offer my opinion. <laughs> but usually you can see it. Now, now, I know this from my own life because there was a time when I, when I wasn't a Christian and I was up to no good. I was a heavy drinker, heavy smoker. I was up to, up to a lot of no good. And I remember I had to come back to Canada. I was living overseas. I was living in China for years. And I came back. And one of the things I had to do when I came back is I had to renew my driver's license. And I had to get my driver's license picture done. And I remember looking at it. And I'm like, wow. Because my eyes were as black as coal. They were. They were as dark as can be. And one of the first things I noticed when Jesus rescued me is my eyes changed. Now, you probably remember the same thing in your own life. And you probably see this in people that you know who come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Something changes, and you can see it in their eyes. Because like honey, their eyes are brightened. And that's what we're invited into. And today, <laughs> it could be Jesus wants to brighten your eyes by giving you the gift of eternal life, of meaning and purpose, of intimacy and friendship with himself. In the same way that the Israelites, they just had to receive. They had to, there's nothing they could do. They could only receive. In the same way, all you and I can do is receive. So I'm going to lead us in prayer. And I'm going to lead us in two kinds of prayers. One, for those of you who are here, it's like, man, I want in on this. For the first time, I'm tired of having these. I can see it in my eyes. They're not good. I want the, the life that's on offer through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And some of you, it's been a long time since you've tasted and seen that God is good. And I'm going to pray that God would restore and revive your heart. Okay? Let's pray together. Jesus, we've been talking about you this whole time, and you've been present with us. You're not a philosophy, you're not a worldview, you're not an idea, but you are personal and you are present with us. And you're in the business of making us see. You're the giver of good grace, you're the giver of good gifts, you are revealed yourself to us and your ways through your word. You are the living word. And Lord, there are some here this morning that have been going so long, so long trying to do things on their own. But it's killing them. And Lord, I pray that you would hear them cry out to you. Their desires for their eyes to be lightened, to be brightened, 
and to experience the hope and the joy that comes through being rescued by you, by being brought into a living relationship with you. The forgiveness of sins. The gift of the Holy Spirit, your very presence in their life. And then being brought into a story that's much bigger than ourselves, full of meaning and truth. Lord, there are some here this morning that that's their desire. Hear their prayer. And Lord, there are some here this morning that's been a long time since they've tasted and seen that you are good. They've gone down paths that they shouldn't have gone down. And they could see it in their eyes. Lord, we come back to you this morning. You're the lifter of our heads. You're the brightening, brightener of eyes. You're honey to our lips. Lord, your wisdom is like honey to our lives. And your wisdom, in your wisdom, we find a future and a hope. And this hope will not be cut off. And so we hold on to those promises, Lord, and we come back to you again and again. And we pray, Lord, that you would restore unto us the joy of your salvation. Grant us a willing spirit to sustain us. That's our desire, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.